Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. signal a united front to address the economic fallout from the spreading coronavirus. As Ron Cruz tells us, several central banks across the globe have started taking action in response to the economic shock of COVID-19. All eyes on the group of seven industrial powers following an assurance it will hold a concerted action aimed at countering the impact of the coronavirus outbreak. As a widening epidemic stokes fears of a global recession, G7 countries will hold a conference call Tuesday morning to discuss the outbreak's economic impact. They're expected to issue a statement following the meeting Tuesday or Wednesday. In this statement, an official said G7 countries will pledge to work together to mitigate the damage to their economies from the fast-spreading epidemic. But the source said the statement does not specifically include a call for new government spending or coordinated interest rate cuts by central banks. The source, though, has clarified the language of the statement is subject to change as it is still under discussion. For Vasu Menon of OCBC Bank Wealth Management, the uncertainty signifies a tug-of-war between hope and fear as investors await the next move of central banks. Stephen Inez, chief market strategist at Taxicorp, meanwhile said such a message from the G7 was not what markets had been hoping for. Global stocks and oil prices have made some recovery after policymakers indicated willingness to help ease economic fallout from the coronavirus. The Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank both issued statements echoing Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's pledge last week to act as appropriate to support the economy. U.S. President Donald Trump has urged the Fed to cut interest rates significantly, saying higher borrowing costs are tough on exporters and puts the U.S. at a disadvantage. Australia's central bank is already responding to the economic shock of COVID-19, as it cut its benchmark interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point to a record low of 0.5%. Indonesia, meanwhile, says it's preparing a second financial stimulus. The Bank of England also says it will ensure all necessary contingency plans are in place as it predicts the outbreak will cause a large but temporary shock to the economy. On Tuesday, Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo reiterates his government is ready to deploy further fiscal stimulus measures if needed to protect the country's already fragile economy from the negative effects of the coronavirus. The coronavirus, which emerged in the central Chinese city of Wuhan late last year, has triggered disruptions to supply chains, factory output, and global travel. There are now about 89,000 COVID-19 cases in over 60 countries. More than 80,000 are in China, where the death toll climbed to nearly 3,000 Tuesday. Ron Cruz, ABS-CBN News. Markets here in Asia, including the Philippines, also await the outcome of the meeting between the G7 ministers and central bankers in the COVID-19 outbreak. That's as corporate earnings here at home proved to be non-movers for the local market. Michelle Long tells us more. Asian stocks rallied on Tuesday on bet central banks will take action to fight the negative impact of the COVID-19. 
Philippine cheers joining the cheer, although with less enthusiasm at the close, with the index pairing some of the gains to end up by just six-tenths of one percent, closing at 67.90. There might not be a full correction uh, past the initial uh, double gap down that we saw earlier, the early, late last February. It's hard to say at this point. I mean, yesterday we saw a new established support at 7.7, so that's a good thing since it's still another barrier year before we reach 7.6 or the bear market levels. Um, so that, if anything, that's a good indication, but not a sure indication of any correction. Um, for the rest of the week, well, since uh, at most at least half of the earnings are already out, it didn't really do much for the index. Among the most actively bought up stocks, Ayala Corporation, SM Prime, SM Investments, BDO, and Metro Pacific. Tomorrow, Asian markets get their first chance to react to the emergency call of G7 finance ministers and central bankers to talk about their response to the COVID-19. So, will they or won't they be pulling the trigger? First, Metro Securities believes, at least for the Philippine Central Bank, it should hold off on cutting interest rates when it meets this month. Given that we have been, well, well, we're not yet aware of the full effect of the COVID in terms of the earnings. We just have indications on how does it affect the earning projection, earnings projection of the local businesses. I feel like it's better for us to wait at least the first quarter of this year just to see the, the full effect of the COVID-19. ING Bank Manila says it's time to bring out the heavy hitters for the government to flex both its fiscal and monetary muscle to shield the economy from the impending slowdown. It adds on the fiscal side, the government should go ahead and roll out the full extent of its double-headed budget to continue build, build, build and push for projects to stimulate the domestic economy. While it expects the BSP to stick to its 50 basis point rate cut for the whole year and inject fresh liquidity through a cut and reserve requirement ratios. Meanwhile, in corporate stories, investors digest more upbeat bank earnings. BPI posting a 25% jump in net income for 2019, landing at 29 billion pesos as net interest income boosted growth from a relatively low base in 2018. While PS Bank managed to post a 14% rise in bottom line for 2019, the thrift banking arm of Metro Bank says revenue increased 3%, while operating expenses slipped by 3% as well. The bank's total loan portfolio, meanwhile, went up by about 5% to 164 billion pesos driven by consumer loans, while total deposits slipped 14%. Michelle Long, ABS-CBN News. An association of Philippine travel agencies sees a huge loss in revenues because of the travel disruptions caused by COVID-19 outbreak. But as Ann Hernandez tells us, there are hopes that domestic tourism will help industries dependent on travel stay afloat. Travel agencies in the Philippines have been receiving cancellations from clients left and right. The Philippine Travel Agencies Association estimates a 30 to 35 percent industry loss from January to February due to COVID-19. Those two months supposedly we will be earning and getting the revenue for the rest of the quarter. So The situation is already causing anxiety among those who work in the tourism industry. Tinutulungan ko po yung parents ko. Nahihirapan din po kami mag-cope up po dun sa mga kailangan namin araw-araw, mga food na ganyan, kung mawawala po yung work na to. Industry losses are expected to increase even after the Philippines relaxed travel restrictions and limited the travel ban to the North Gyeongsang province of South Korea. 
Since the start of the COVID-19 outbreak, Philippine Airlines have already canceled 90 flights, which now includes 21 flights to Seoul and Busan. PAL has been hurting from losses incurred in 2019, which is currently being aggravated by the coronavirus outbreak and has resulted in the painful retrenchment of 200 workers and early retirement of another 100. Air Asia, meanwhile, has canceled 112 flights to South Korea until March 28, while Cebu Pacific has already canceled 272 flights, including South Korea flights, until April. They, however, see a glimmer of hope in domestic tourism. There are opportunities for us to redeploy uh, the aircraft okay. to different domestic routes. Cebu, Puerto Princesa, among others. Tuloy-tuloy pa rin naman po yung ating paglunsad na mga promo uh, para makaingganyo sa mga travelers. The slowdown in international travel is clearly seen in the empty check-in counters at the Ninoy Aquino International Airport as more Filipino travelers switch to domestic destinations. Takot ako magpunta na Korea or Japan. dito lang, wala sa Philippines, wala yan. Personal hygiene lang talaga. Kailangan, The Philippine Chamber of Commerce and Industry reports that there are no massive layoffs yet due to COVID-19, but isn't sure how long businesses can hold up. Siyempre, yung profitability ng mga kumpanya na nababawasan, no? Pag nagtagal na nagtagal to, eh hindi ba iiwasan siguro na magbabawas ng mga empleyado kahit na makuntay natin dito sa atin ang ang malaking porsyon ng economy natin ay international trading The Philippine Travel Agencies Association meanwhile choose to remain optimistic that business will recover once the global recovery from COVID-19 starts based on their experience tourism rebounded by 60% after the SARS outbreak in 2003 Zen Hernandez, ABS-CBN News. Fitch Solutions trims its 2020 growth forecast for the Philippines to 6% from the previous 6.3%. The research unit says the country's GDP growth is set to rebound more modestly this year due to the effects of the COVID-19 outbreak. Fitch Solutions sees the export sector, specifically tourism, dealing with intense headwinds. It also notes infrastructure projects could face delays and households could receive weaker remittance inflows. The Philippine economy expanded by 5. 9% in 2019. The Philippine Senate Blue Ribbon Committee said to investigate the mysterious influx of millions of dollars into the Philippines, as well as the migration of Chinese nationals to the country. During a privileged speech on Tuesday afternoon, Committee Chair Richard Gordon exposed the questionable entry of thousands of Chinese nationals, dozens of whom are living in single houses in exclusive villages in the Philippines. Some of them also alleged to be involved in a multi-million money laundering scheme that has brought in over 400 $140 million into the country in the last six months. Gordon's committee to look into the sharp spike in Pogo-related crimes as well. That Senate probe is set to happen Thursday. So you can see, Mr. President, it's a very high, highly organized operation. And what, what's the problem also is that they even have a firing range inside. I submit, Mr. President, because we found Chinese military identification cards here, although hindi, hindi in possession of the people who killed, there are two things that you investigate. Bakit may barilyo mga yan? Gordon also scored what he called a creeping invasion of the Philippines, saying it's time to act. We have 400,000 people here, 
And not only in Manila, they are already in other places. Davao, uh, Olocopo, uh, in my own hometown, meron sila. So you can imagine the presence of 400,000 people in Manila that can easily take over. And I'm going from the sublime to the ridiculous. You can take a look. In Pampanga, they have four. Olongapo, they have three. In Calabarazon, they have two. In Central Visayas, they have four. The whole Cavite Covlandia has been taken over by apartments built for Fogo, Mr. President. So talaga, they have overwhelmed us. It's a creeping invasion where they have taken up specific areas where the Chinese there. I'm not being Sinophobic. I'm just trying to express some concern on why there is no seeming regulation, no seeming effort to try and locate these people. If they have firearms, if they're bringing in money, this is totally unacceptable. I don't care if they put in money. Here is another kind of imperialism. This is mercantile imperialism. The power of money. Every day they come in and they buy our people and they buy our homes and they buy our buses and they buy our everything, Mr. President. It's a juggernaut. And to my mind, it's about time we act. The Philippine Anti-Money Laundering Council now appealing for more powers and stronger laws against money smuggling following the revelation of a multi-million dollar money laundering scheme in the country. Warren de Guzman tells us more. Higher remittance costs and longer waiting times for overseas Filipinos and international business transactions, and a further delay to the A-grade credit rating being chased after by economic managers. These are the consequences of being gray-listed by the Financial Action Task Force, an intergovernment body in charge of fighting money laundering internationally. The Philippines exited that gray list in 2013, but the Anti-Money Laundering Council says the Philippines could find itself back on the list should lawmakers fail to pass legislation amending and strengthening anti-money laundering and anti-terrorism financing laws. AMLAC says the FATF already has the Philippines under a 12-month observation period, which started in October 2019 when it published recommendations to improve the Philippines' anti-money laundering regulations. Among the recommendations, the inclusion of real estate transactions under the purview of AMLAC. Also included, the expansion of AMLAC's powers in terms of implementing targeted financial sanctions, as well as its subpoena powers and the exemption of certain AMLAC powers from injunction. AMLAC says some of these recommendations are already addressed by pending proposals, including Senate Bill 1083, or an act to secure the state and protect our people from terrorism which was approved on third reading by the Senate on February 26th. The measure, however, faces some opposition by human rights activists, including Amnesty Philippines, which says it disproportionately restricts human rights in the name of security. AMLAC, however, stressed passing these amendments are not enough, as they should be in effect by June to ensure the Philippines has enough time to implement the amendments and show the FATF the changes are effective. It's not just AMLAC pushing for this. PwC Philippines says a gray listing by the FATF would be detrimental for the Philippine economy. In fact, PwC suggests additional measures, including the repeal of bank secrecy laws, which have hindered investigations into economic crime in the past. There's also a bit of difficulty uh, following up the trace because of our bank secrecy laws. In order for us to have uh, 
a better international uh, standing uh, financially, that uh, our, our rules must be the same as, as theirs so that they can follow on with that financial crime. It's going to have a significant impact on the perception of the Philippines as a place to do business. Uh, I think financial institutions will, uh, will, will really be more cautious about doing business with the Philippines. It could affect our credit ratings. PwC Philippines says beyond money laundering and terror finance, incidents of economic crime and fraud have actually increased since 2018 based on its latest survey. Incidents of bribery and corruption in particular jumped from the fifth most disruptive economic crime to second in 2020. Warren de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.